Benvenidos and welcome to the Platform Latino podcast where we profile, highlight, and bring to the airwaves the successes of our community and those helping us to get us there. I'm your host, Osvaldo Valdez, and I'd like to thank you for joining us and enjoy the show. Hi guys, today we have Jeanette Seha, who is the founder of Jet Set with Jeanette. She is a global travel expert, journalist, TV host, public speaker, and recently launched her podcast, Global Conversations with Jeanette. Welcome, Jeanette, to Platform Latino. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. No, no, thank you for um, for coming on and taking time to talk with us. Um, you have uh, an amazing career, whatever, you know, and it's, it's just getting started. When I saw you on Instagram, I was like, oh, I would love to have her on the podcast. So I'm really excited to have you on. But um, thank you. I'm happy to be on here. No, no, thank you. Thank you. So for, for our listeners, let's get some background. Like where was Jeanette born? What's her background? You know, what's her, her story? So, yes, I was born in Orange County, California, but my parents moved from Mexico in the 1980s. And I was some first generation, but I've had my passport since I was about six months old. And I've gone to Mexico, Mexico City every year of my life, except for this year because of COVID. But I go every year to visit my relatives and I used to spend the summers there in, uh, in Mexico with my grandparents. So yeah, it's a little... Um, it's great. I embrace both cultures, both countries, both languages. I love, you know, being part of both. I'm very proud of, uh, of both. Awesome. Awesome. And then, um, like, what's one thing that you miss from, from not going to Mexico this year? Oh, seeing my family, my relatives. Um, I also miss, of course, the food. I'm a foodie. Uh, you know, I miss uh, events like concerts. I would love to go to, when I'm there, I love to go see concerts or just any kind of event um, that I could go. My cousins would always like to take me to their, you know, spots because they're locals so they would like to take me you know where the tourists don't go to these gems of places so yeah i'm kind of bummed that i couldn't go this year but i understand you know covid is definitely um still happening but uh i'm always going to plan for another time definitely yeah you always got to incorporate some kind of travel into your 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 future plans and then like, so what from childhood, you know, growing up in a Mexican family, but being first generation here in the States and going back and forth, like what kind of, what do you feel like you guided you into becoming like a TV host journalist and, you know, eventually, you know, an expert on travel? Yeah, well, I, I grew up glued to the TV after school, of course, uh, I would watch you know, the news. And the, so at first I thought I wanted to be a foreign news correspondent like Christiana Amapur, or of course my family would see Univision and I thought I wanted to be, uh, you know, like a reporter. Basically, I knew at a young age that I was, I wanted to be a messenger of information because I always felt like information, just like knowledge uh, is powerful. 
and I love learning. So I just, at a young age, I knew that I wanted to be in some form of communications as my career. And, and then I started watching the Travel Channel, the History Channel, the Discovery Channel, and I started to be glued to Anthony Bourdain or Samantha Brown or Rick Steves or all of these, you know, legendary travel TV hosts that um, some of them like Rick Steves and Samantha Brown still doing it to this day. Yeah, that's the dream, um, living to travel and getting paid for it. <laughs> yeah. And ever since then, I was like, wow, I want to show people this world. But, you know, one thing that uh, happened when I was a young girl was I never saw anyone that looked like me. Like I, didn't see anyone that was Latino on these shows as the hosts. Uh, I didn't see many women because uh, it's known that the travel industry was, you know, really male dominated at that time. Hopefully things have changed. Um, so if it was a woman, I couldn't relate to her other than being a woman. Uh, there were supermodels, they were actresses, they were just so not relatable. Um, so I kind of, suppressed and self-sabotaged my own dream and said, well, there's no one out there, so maybe it's not for me. And I had those thoughts, and that's the story I told myself. Nobody told me that. That was just my interpretation as a young girl watching and and seeing people do what I love, but then never seeing anyone that looked like me doing it. So it kind of was like a catch-22 um, in the sense like I, I knew I was, that's what I was meant to do, but there wasn't anyone really necessarily in the travel TV world hosting and paving the way for Latinos, in my opinion. Maybe there was, I don't know, but that really uh, began this lifelong uh, journey. And in that journey, there's been, you know, failures and successes and lessons. And But I will say that I have interviewed in my career everybody that I've watched, including the late Anthony Bourdain. Oh, wow. I interviewed him a couple years ago in New York City. And I interviewed Samantha Brown. And I interviewed Rick Steve. So I interviewed all the people that I watched growing up. And... I told them all, you know, you are one of the reasons why I wanted to do this. Um, you were able to be that bridge between the viewer, the audience, and the world, and bring the world to us. And yeah, Bourdain is definitely, um, you know, one of the highlights of my career and life, for sure. Yeah, may, may you rest in peace, and it's amazing that you were able to, to interview him, because and like, were you fangirling? Like, were you like nervous? <laughs> like, what was the, <laughs> for any oh of them, God. you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, living in Los Angeles, um, you know, for most of my life, it, I was con always around celebrities or always encountering stars, but it wasn't, um, I never really got starstruck. And, but when it comes to travel people in the travel industry, that's where I get starstruck. So with Anthony Bourdain, it's really interesting how that happened because nobody gave me that opportunity. It wasn't handed to me. It wasn't, uh, you know, that was an opportunity that I created in the sense that I followed Anthony Bourdain. I studied him. I was like a fan, not a stalker, a fan. <laughs> and I also, I used to do entertainment reporting living in Los Angeles. And I also went to UCLA for producing their professional producing program for TV and uh, for film and TV with the intent always to host and produce a travel show. That's always been the big end goal. And while I was, I was there, I worked in sports, I worked in entertainment. I interviewed 
actors, actresses, world leaders, you name it. But I get a lot of press releases and I got a press release for Tribeca Film Festival. And it said Anthony Bourdain was the executive producer of a movie for from CNN. And it was about a chef, Chef Latore. And he was going to be doing red carpet. And anyone who really loved or followed Anthony Bourdain knows that he wasn't really big on red carpets. So when I saw that, like a light bulb went off and I said, oh my gosh, I have to be there. I have to interview him. And believe it or not, Ozzy, it was, I pitched this idea to 10, maybe 11, 12 publications. And in my mind, I was like, this is a no brainer. This is, this is just, this is already set. No, I I got 10 rejections and because of my determination, I didn't give up. And I think uh, that is what sets a lot of people apart from success to failures. You just don't give up and you don't take one no as the final, you know, answer. And I finally was looking at plane tickets and I said, I will fly myself to New York. I will buy my own ticket to this premiere. And I will ask him a question during Q and A. And the moment I said that, and the moment I started doing that, That's when I got a publication that said, okay, we'll have you cover and we'll put you on the red carpet. And, and, you know, even before then I had probably worked red carpet for a few years. So they knew that I meant I was serious. Like I, I wasn't just, I was going up for a purpose and I really was, um, you know, going to do a great interview one way or the other. So yeah, that's how that happened. No, definitely. And I, th- I think it's important, like two things that you mentioned is um, the representation of Latinos in media and any industry. You know, we, we are like 20% now of the population, but we're nowhere near 20% of the representation people see in TV, movies, business, politics, and uh, and the list goes on. So, you know, that it's a, you know, it happens even on a subconscious level that you don't see somebody like you or that ha- speaks the same language or your same background. You know, it kind of gives you a little like, oh, maybe I can't do that. But then I also love how you um, and it's happened to me a few times in life then where you just kind of have to take a jump and, and, and risk it. You know, you're buying a ticket. You're going to come here. You're going to stand outside the movie premiere and see if you can just ask them one question and things start falling into place. And and that's that's like. I, I, I'm repeating it because it's like an important message for listeners. You know, don't don't let that get you down. Sometimes you do need to make an investment in yourself and and take risk. I always like to to stress that. It's great points. And the thing is, is one of the things that has helped me in this 20 plus year journey in the travel industry with this purpose for basically building a more inclusive travel movement in the sense that we have more women, we have more Latinos, we also represent and give voices to those who are underrepresented, like people with disabilities and physical disabilities. I mean, it's something that's always been on my mind uh, while traveling is, you know, who is speaking for them and who is representing them. So me, from my own way, um, that has been my purpose. And since I was young, since I didn't see it, it pushed it away, but then it propelled me to to keep going. And I think that's important that people, whatever their dreams are in whatever industry, is know your why. And I think Simon Sinek had a really great TED Talk about knowing your why. 
your why will get you through the humps and will get you through the challenges and the most difficult times um, because it's bigger than yourself. It's not self-serving. It's not about me at the end of the day. It's about me being able to be a good, a best version of myself for others, like of service to help others, to inspire others. Um, and so I think, you know, when you, when you know your why, um, you, you're determined, nothing and no one will stop you and you're going to keep going no matter what. And, um, I think that's uh, a good thing for anyone. And, and like I said, with a, whatever dream, just keep going and know your why and anything is possible. And there's countless stories like Oprah, like, you know, Sylvester Stallone, like so many people who had the circumstances you would never believe they would be successful or anything. And, and yet they were because they, you know, they believed in themselves one, but they had a bigger purpose. Right. So. Yeah. And definitely when you have a bigger purpose, I, I love Simon Sinek's book. Um, I think it start with why I have it somewhere, Yeah, but, but it, it is, it is, um, it is important because if you have a bigger purpose and you know, in everybody's journey, there's times when they're like just low energy, feel defeated, you know, needs that extra push. But if they have that bigger, they're like, okay, my purpose is going to help X, Y, you know, millions of people or thousands of people are my, my purpose is going to do this and, and it's going to result in this, not just for me, but for others, it kind of gives you that energy that you, that, that bank of energy that you're looking for. So it, it is true. And, you know, slice alone, Oprah Winfrey, you know, they've all gone through it and, and look at the success that they've achieved because, you know, they, they have that bigger purpose and they push through the hard times and look at jet set with Jeanette, you know, I mean, she, <laughs> that's right yeah. and 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 i'm so grateful listen and there there's a i'm always grateful and happy to to be vulnerable and to share you know the the failures just as much as the success because it's been part of my journey um and one of the ways that i also i love to to tell people is in my you know there's a famous saying in hollywood uh, a lot of my mentors and um my former hosting uh, host coach would tell me is there's no such thing as overnight success yeah. uh, it's eight years of hard work to become an overnight success <laughs> so just because you don't see the results maybe that you want immediately it does not mean it's not going to happen um, maybe it'll happen even better than you could have imagined um, just keep going right just keep going uh, there, that's another thing I like to tell people because we do live in a world in an insta world, instant gratification. We want, inst we, we live in a world where we want everything now. Right. Um, but the reality is it sometimes takes time and people who know me know I've been doing this for 12, almost 15 years have been doing this kind of work behind and in front of the camera and I'm still here. And there have been times where I thought maybe not to do it anymore. But again, my why is like, Nope, you got to keep going. There's a bigger purpose for why you're doing this. And it's not to be famous. It's not to be rich. It's nothing extrinsic. Mm -hmm. It's intrinsic. It's paving the way for me in my, you know, in my purpose, I feel it's paving the way for more women, for more diversity in the travel and tourism sector, which is, I believe, something that 
can can always be improved and that definitely still needs more representation and um i'm just one of many who are doing it but uh yeah so uh, you know i want i want to get more into jet set with jeanette but first off i would like to like no, I, I I listened to a few of your podcasts earlier, and so I kind of I think I know why. But um, it's <laughs> like, how did you go from you know graduating college to, re- you know, reporting and interviewing celebrities on the red carpet? Yeah, I um, it's a great question. Well, one, I've been writing about travel uh, since I was about twelve. Okay. I started writing in a travel journal. And I started writing for like the local newspaper, doing internships. When I moved to Los Angeles, I left uh, Tennessee where I went to college and where my parents uh, eventually moved to uh, when I was in middle school and high school. And I went with my trunk full of my things and started from zero scratch. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that that I think helped me in my career was being open to any opportunity. And I would take these freelance gigs, for example, in, in LA, and I would go for the most minimum pay. I mean, it was just so sad, but I knew that I needed to meet people because networking is important. Mm-hmm. I also knew that I needed the experience so I would go to LA and I would take any kind of job that was hosting related that would have to do with communications. Cause as you can see, I love, and as you can hear, I love to talk. I'm all about communication. That's my mm-hmm. strong, that's my strong, my strongest strength. So, so yeah, that's how I got started little by little. And then I, I went to UCLA for, uh, it was, it was just about less than a year. It was their professional program and then while I was there I started meeting more people and that opened more opportunities for me I also went to hosting school in Los Angeles uh, to learn how to become a better host oh, I didn't even know uh, they have a hosting school oh yes they do definitely in <laughs> Los Angeles Los Angeles and New York definitely have oh, yeah. hosting schools where there were hosts on network TV that were students there because their mindset was we can always improve. We can always grow. Um, you know, just because you are quote made it doesn't mean you don't have to keep working on your craft, keep improving. Right. So yeah, it was good. And then I also did uh, Toastmasters. Okay. So I took classes for public speaking because I wanted to be a better public speaker because here's the thing. The best in any in any craft, acting, singing, hosting, writing, you know, playing music, guitars, they invest time and money into their skill set, into their craft. They take classes, they get a mentor, and then they make it look easy. But that is hours and hours and hours of practice and mm-hmm. and you know mentors and and I think that also helps people, um, you know, because again, like I said before, um, there's no shortcut to success in the way that if you want to be the best, you got to give your best and invest in yourself. And that's what I did for years while I was still getting my feet wet, meeting people. And that opened more opportunities for me uh, doing entertainment reporting and then eventually I worked also at Fox Sports and 
then I left that job and I moved to Italy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so the podcast I heard, I forgot who it was with, but you said that you're, I guess you also lived in Australia too? I also lived in Australia. I took a job, contract job out there. And I remember my family saying, Jeanette, could you pick the furthest place? Like, do you not love us? Like, why do why don't you want to be with us? And I was, it's not about that. It's about me getting experience, mm. seeing the world. And I was also knowing that I was single and had no kids, not married. I mean, that's still the case now, but I had more energy then. <laughs> I was just right. Like now, maybe not as much energy, but I think those are great things that you can go and experience, work abroad, travel abroad, uh, live abroad. If you have the opportunity, um, why not? I mean, this world is so big and it's so beautiful. Yeah, definitely. Right. And, I'm, and I'm sure you've probably encountered it too, like older generations with my parents. When I travel, they're like, no, you should be working and saving money. And, you know, I'm sure, like, well, my parents are like, get married, have kids, you know, start a family. We want grandkids. But yeah. then, you know, yeah, that, you know, eventually that that's nice and stuff. But when you have the chance to travel, you want to travel when you're young too to experience it, to be able to hike a mountain, to, you know, go to a remote village just to experience it and just saying, you know, why not? And it, it's, I'm sure you've had that like guilt with the family guilt and especially with Latinos that they're like, you know, you got to be with the family and take care of the family. <laughs> it's- yes. And I will say from, from my experience as a woman, mm-hmm. I feel that women have additional pressure if they want to get married and have a family and if they want to work in the travel industry. And very, very, very specific because that, that has been my situation my whole life. Mm-hmm. I feel we have an additional kind of pressure because the thing that I've had to face in my own life is I want to get married and have kids, but I also want to work in an industry and I want to have a show where I travel and do all this. How can I make it work together? Uh, and I also, you know, need to be with a partner who understands that we can work together. That is what I'm going through in my mind. And, you know, cause as women, we have to physically carry the baby. We have to physically give birth to the baby. We have to do all these things. So as, so as a woman, that's why I always like to, to advocate women to do as much as they can when they're young and this and that. But I also think that women can, can travel and have a career in this industry and also be mothers as well. Like, I don't think you have to choose one or the other. Uh I think it's an individual choice. I think, you know, Samantha Brown, for example, she has twins and she's married and she has a show on PBS for years. And she used to be on the travel channel for years too. It's possible. Anything is possible. I just think it's, up to you and your partner, whoever you, you end up with, you know, what's the kind of lifestyle you want. And that being said, Ozzy, one of the things that I, as a woman in the travel industry have been asked is, well, what are you going to choose? And I, I would always say, what do you mean? What am I going to choose? They said, yeah, you're a woman. Are you going to choose a career or family? Because you can't have them both. I've been told this multiple times in my career and I can't tell you how much at first that really hurt my feelings because what do you mean? It's not possible. What do you mean? I have to choose. You're telling me to choose between two dreams, my career dream and my life dream of being a mom and getting married and, 
And um, so I felt this intense pressure to, to do as much as I could so that, you know, I could eventually just settle down and have kids and be married. But then I started to understand, like, why am I living by anybody else's rules or by anybody else's ideas of how I should live my life? And I just don't think it's really fair. No, not um, at all. Yeah, because right? men, men wouldn't get that, would never men get do, that same. Yeah. You know, and it's horrible that they, and, you know, I'm sure, like, I'm not saying it's right, but, like, the older generation, you know, they have a different mindset. They came from a different time. But people like our age and in their 30s and even 40s and, and probably 50s, they should understand that it is possible. You know, there's women CEOs, there's women, you know, travelers, you know, sportscasters, whatever, you know, across the board that they're able to manage and, you know, function and do everything, you know, and choose both. Like, why not both? You know, men can do both. You know, there's no reason that women can't do both. Yeah, maybe the nine months they can't do both because they have a baby, but probably a good chunk of it, they can still travel safely and, and, and live their life. You know, I, I they, they, yeah, it's, it's a mentality change that they need to do. And over time, you know, hopefully, and, and I think, well, it's sad with, uh, <laughs> with um, RVG passing away, but, you know, like yeah. she, she paved the way a lot for, for women's equality rights. And, you know, that there's still a long stretch that needs to, to happen for there to be like a true equality between men and women, which is, it's sad, but you know, hopefully, slowly we we can work at it. And uh, I agree, and I think having these kind of conversations where it it still is a reality, it still is a belief out there. It does exist. However, there are women like me who are doing it and 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 living it and and not giving both dreams up, and that are telling younger generations who may be want to do the same thing. Like, yeah, absolutely. You can do it. Like, don't just stop because of your gender that doesn't limit you or because of your ethnicity or your race, which again, as a young girl, I thought that limited me because I didn't see representation. I think that is what is so important that we see, especially Latinos, that we see more Latinos everywhere represented uh, from within, you know, every industry. My specific is more travel, but doesn't mean I, I see definitely the need for more Latinos in every industry. Yeah, because uh, any any little kid watching TV and they're not seeing people like like you were saying, you know, it, it's it kind of like, oh, maybe I, it's not for me or maybe it's only a white privilege thing but you know they it, it's good and that's why I, like I, I like this podcast I want to celebrate and bring your stories up because you know some somebody's listening to this they tell their daughter their sister the aunt you know like oh there, there's this girl named Jeanette you know she travels the world and she's in the front of the camera and she's interviewing celebrities and she's she's living her dream like it's possible we can do it <laughs> and um and on top of that she's Latina it's like <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And I love that. And I embrace that because it is who I am. And, and like I said, a lot of the things that I, I do, I always advocate for bilingual, for mm -hmm. doing things in Spanish and English so that I can be as inclusive and speak to as many people as possible. Because again, there's a lot of people, in, including my own family, like my grandmother and some cousins who, who only speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. And and I understand that. And I can I try to communicate with them and in, in, in every way I can uh -huh. so yeah yeah unfortunately like I, I I'm not as fluent in Spanish as I want to be but um 
I get a little shy, but like talking to some of my family members, of course, I speak freely. And also like when I travel, I feel like if, if I'm there for a day or two, my Spanish just comes out and I feel more comfortable. And only when I'm forced, if there's another American there or somebody that speaks English, I automatically regress to, <laughs> to, to English. But um, it's on my, my to-do list before I, I pass away or die to, to become fully fluent. But um, no, the story that I heard on your podcast was that you're you went to a friend's set that she was helping with the production crew. And then a mentor is like, you prefer, you belong in front of the screen. Yes. Was that, yes. Was that your first big break or you had already been? I will say that, uh, that was one of my, one of my big, one of my big breaks. Uh, meaning that I had just moved back from Australia. And again, I started from zero because I was living abroad and I had went to, it's a true story. I went to The Price is Right, the show. Okay. And I rented a car because I, I think I like gave or sold my car before moving to Australia. Mm -hmm. And I went to The Price is Right and I said, you know what? Maybe I'll be the, the person who gets chosen and who wins a car, who, um, you know, gets that trip or, you know, that prize money. I'm just, I'm such an optimist that I thought, why not? Right. One day of my life I could go and, and give it a shot. And first of all, anyone who has been to the prize, right. As an audience member, it's intense and people go dressed to the nines and they have outfits and, and they really coordinated. I just went like normal clothes and boring person. And so of course I wasn't chosen. So I was walking away from the show, The Price is Right. It felt like such a loser. I was like, gosh, I didn't win anything. And I just spent a whole day here, drove all the way, you know, to the studio. And I had a, a parking ticket for like $40. So I really felt like a loser at that time. I was like, I'm such, this is a sad day. On my way to the parking lot, I saw Mario Lopez and Puff Daddy, or P. Diddy. Yeah, whatever name he is now. Uh, they were walking outside of one of the stores at the Grove where they were filming the, t the show Extra at the time. And I was saying to myself, this is so random. What is P. Diddy and Mark Wahlberg doing together, shopping of all places? And so I saw that they went to a stage and at the stage, it said extra. And then there was Maria Menudos. And I was, I was like, oh, well, I have nothing to lose. I have a parking ticket waiting for me. I might as well just go enjoy whatever's happening here. Mm -hmm. And I walked up there and I saw they were filming the show. And I said, oh, I'm just going to check. I'm going to just stand and watch. And uh, I did. And as soon as they were wrapping up, I saw all of them getting ready to leave. And I, I saw an opportunity. I said, well, Hey, you know, I have TV experience. If you're ever looking for anyone for your show, I have production editing and I have hosting experience. And they said, Oh, you need to talk to that guy. And they pointed to uh, Reggie, who was my former mentor uh, for five or six years. He passed away two years ago. Um, but they told me to talk to him. And that's when I told him the same thing. I basically an elevator pitch. Mm -hmm. I said, hi, my name's Jeanette. I just moved back from Australia, blah, blah. I have experience in this and that. He goes, uh, he is like, um, yeah. He's like, but why do you want to be behind the scenes? Like, why are you, why are you pitching for that? And I go, well, whatever. I'll just take any job at this time. Like I'm happy to do it. He goes, no, you belong in front of the camera. He's like, you know, so basically like, 
w one of the, the most amazing things is sometimes people see your potential in you that maybe you don't even see or you don't believe at the time. And he always believed in me from the moment he met me. He goes, you are a star. <laughs> I mean, it's LA, but he goes, you're a star. You belong in front of the camera. He's like, don't play small. Mm -hmm. And he, he told me like, just, he was very direct. And from that moment, he said, you know, next week we're doing a red carpet. Um, it's, it's for a different show. Meet me there, hair, makeup ready. And I said, okay. And I just said, yes. And I went and I was on the red carpet. I did the theater awards at the Saban theater. Didn't have much of a background in the sense that I, I didn't know half of the nominees. A lot of them were producers and theater uh, performers and actors. And I gave it my best. I did the best that I could do. And he was there and the camera guy. And people would never have known that I just, like, this was just <laughs> happening. But I think, again, the mindset is you're open to any opportunity. You will say yes, right, uh -huh. to opportunity. And you'd be uncomfortable because I knew that nobody was going to come to me and say, here you go, Jeanette, go travel the world, go do your show. I knew that nobody was going to do that. I knew I had to work for it. I knew I had to show people what I could do, not tell them. I would show them. Uh -huh. And so that is how I started to slowly work meet people, show people what I could do. Then they would refer me uh, to other jobs or gigs. And then I slowly started to get work that way. Um, and that's how I met a producer who worked at Fox Sports uh, when I was on a set who she was there because her friend was the producer and we had a conversation and I basically said, if you're ever looking for anyone, I'm available. And she did. And, and so I think just putting yourself out there, being open and available. And even if it's not the job that you ultimately want long-term, mm -hmm. maybe just go. You never know what you'll learn. You never know who you'll meet. And I always have gratitude. I'm always grateful for any opportunity and for mentors as well, because men what I've learned in my life is a mentor is such a gift that they're willing to be a resource and guide you and help you along your career. But mentors will not take you seriously if you're not committed and dedicated, like period. Yeah, uh, and yeah, and that is when, and I have mentees now. And the number one thing is, are you really dedicated? Like how serious are you? Because we are all so busy and we, and everyone, and my, I knew my mentors were so busy. I appreciated any of their time and wisdom and guidance that I was like, I am dedicated, whatever we need to do, however. And that's, again, that's what helped me along the way. And uh, that's what I like to tell people is, these are some of the things that I think sets people apart because if, you know, the mentality is you waiting for things to come to you or handed to you, it might not, it might be a while uh -huh. because some people are just going to, you know, do it or create opportunities themselves. And I also believe that I think Oprah said this is luck is really just like when hard work meets opportunity, uh -huh. right? And then that is when you're lucky. I, I just feel like in the meantime, we can, we can prepare ourselves by 
working on our skill set, working on our mindset. Mindset was such a game changer for me because again, there were moments where I would self-sabotage my own success because I didn't feel ready or I didn't feel like I looked the part or I didn't feel like I I was, you fill in the blank. I would always find things to self-sabotage myself because I ultimately, I wasn't, didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe in the, I believed in my purpose, but I was afraid of my own potential. I was afraid of my own success, you know, and I'm not afraid of failure. Like failure doesn't scare me because I get right back up and I just keep going. Being successful was actually more scary because it meant that I was doing something right Mm. and it meant that I was being noticed and being heard and being appreciated and being all these things that I was just, being like getting recognition, getting all those awards, things like that, believe it or not, made me feel uncomfortable. Like I was like, ah, like uh, (laughs) too much attention on me, but I never believed I deserved it in the sense that it was a more of a worthiness and a personal mindset issue, not because I didn't work for it, not because I didn't, you know, do my best. It, and that's another thing too, is people, you know, either have like a fear of failure, fear of success, and it's very relatable. Um, maybe some people don't have it and that's a great thing, but I know now that that was a huge thing for me was actually, I was afraid of my own potential and, You know, uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one out there who has experienced this, but um, I'm also a big believer that we can achieve anything we want and and we just got to keep believing in ourselves and our why and, and yeah. Definitely. I'm I'm an overthinker. So sometimes I'm presented with an opportunity or something and I'm like, oh, well, should I do this? Am I worthy? Am I, you know, you you go through these things like almost like self-bad talk. But like, you know, you have your friend. Well, I know my friends kind of tell me like, Ozzy, shut up. Like, you're fine. Just take it. You never know. <laughs> if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But if it does, you know, you, you took you seize the moment. So it's it's important to to kind of ground yourself and just take up op- any opportunity. Like you said, you know, you could not have shown up that week, that one week where that guy asked you. And then, you know, who knows where you would have been right now. But you did and you showed up and it. And, paved the way it's you know it was like a domino effect and it kept on giving you more and more opportunities yeah yeah so then how and then how did that lead up to jet set with Jeanette is that just a company for your public speaking or well it's interesting story because before about two or three years ago um I rebranded and changed everything to jet set with Jeanette so before that it was just Jeanette reports where I was just a reporter doing reporting on everything basically but travel was always the main focus uh chat set with Jeanette actually happened over dinner with a girlfriend when she told me Jeanette reports is so boring so blah it doesn't speak to who you are and I was like well what what am I she goes you are the travel guru you're the travel expert you you know, you do anything for travel and you just want people to travel. And so that's when I was thinking like airplanes and just words. And then it just came out, you know, which is like, well, what about Jet Set with Jeanette? I was like, perfect. Beautiful. Yeah. When we said that it was like, it was meant to be. And, and literally when I changed everything, rebranded, uh, it's like everything took off. 
literally took off. It was just the, the final, you know, dot on that, you know, whole, my whole career basically just, it just happened. And it, I knew that it was really getting a lot of traction when people were starting to refer to me uh, in the third person as Jet Set with Jeanette, for example, in LA. I remember someone saying, oh, I was, ta- I was having dinner with someone and they said, oh, I saw Jet Set with Jeanette at, you know, at, at a restaurant. And I was like, oh my God, people are already referring to me as... So it was great, and I was really honored. Um, yeah, so Jet Set with Jeanette, underneath that is basically the travel that I do, um, whether it's reporting or speaking. I speak at conferences as a public speaker or travel advising. I'm also um, I'm an advisor that uh, can actually book anything for you as a certified like travel advisor. Uh, under Travel Edge, um, so I could do basically I could do all and anything on, as travel related, mm-hmm. and I'm also media. So I like to do things with media. I also um, like to speak. I speak at colleges to the youth. Um, so it's a lot under that umbrella of travel and media. And I'm also starting to write a book. Um, last year I wrote a TV show treatment. Finally, for my travel show that has been in me for over 20, 30 years, and I started to pitch it last year. I actually had first round meetings with producers and telling them about my show, that it's been my dream, and I was getting really good momentum, and this year, I, I spoke at a conference in Egypt. It was it was at the very beginning of, you know, it wasn't the pandemic yet. It was like, a, it was just yeah. the beginning of the year. And I spoke at a conference in Egypt. And I, by the time I was in Egypt, things just it's snowballing. At that time, only Italy and like Iran and one other country was on lockdown there. That was it. And then the whole rest of the world was open. And then I left Egypt and then like everything was snowballing out of effect. And, and, and clearly like I had to put my show on a temporary hold because right, we're kind of limited during the pandemic on where we can travel. But not only that, uh, the travel and tourism sector is one of the hardest hits. I mean, everybody has been hard. I totally, I see it and I understand it, but I feel that travel and tourism has really like I know so many friends and colleagues who have lost their jobs, their businesses, and it really breaks my heart to see that because um, you know travel is 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 something that helps fuel economies, local economies, villages, uh, families. It's also you know tour operators. It involves restaurants, the hotels. Um, it's just so much under that umbrella and business travel, uh, you know, shipping and cargo. I mean, there's so much more than just leisure travel that's being affected. But uh, yeah, it, it's, um, it's been difficult for, for the industry, for sure, this year, and, and just travel in general. I mean, it's something that we're all going through together. Yeah, no, I mentioned that, like, I, like, I love traveling, too. And you, you can see the pictures on my wall, like, that's from, but, um, like in 2019, I, w- I moved to New York or 2018, 2019, I moved to New York, I was getting myself situated. I didn't really travel. 
So like 2020 was like, okay, I got to make up for two years of travel. And then bam, the, the pandemic, <laughs> all my, I was supposed to go to LA in July. I was going to go to Israel in, in May. So like I had some big trips planned, but um, how are you coping, you know, through this pandemic? And I'm sure you've, you probably missed out on uh, uh, like a handful of trips that you were supposed to take. Like, what do you, are, is there anything you're doing to cope with it? Like, or fill the yeah. gaps? For sure. I mean, I think that it's it's very common that many people have been going through um, emotionally difficult times, and I have been coping to the best of my ability. Um, I will say, in March and May, I felt kind of depressed in the sense where I just would watch the news. One and the beginning of the pandemic in LA was just so for me it was so, so sad because i also one live alone mm-hmm. and you know my family is you know in tennessee and and i have a sister and brother in california but they have their families so they're you know yeah the nuclear family children and i remember just thinking that oh my gosh is this the way life is always going to be i'm going to be alone like in, <laughs> in my place and and the world is closing. It just was such a surreal uh, time. And then to see the news and I would wake up to the headlines of so this many people passed and this, and it really affected my emotions. I would get sad because I feel for the people, I feel for everybody. And it's on such a global scale that it's, we're all going through this together and we're all dealing with it. And it's just an experience that I've also never experienced. Cause right. Like usually it's maybe one state, one country that's maybe going through something, but this is on a global scale that we are all going through this together, which it's never to my, to my experience happened before, but I think it's also an opportunity for us to emerge stronger and to work together because ultimately we only have one planet we share the same planet so why not work together and you know find the solutions to you know this pandemic to the virus but um in the meantime you know work together unite together what's best for everyone i mean for me that's what i feel anyways but I just had to stop watching so much news at the same time because it was just so depressing and it was affecting my, you know, emotions. It was really affecting me. And again, I think that living alone, you know, and then not being able to see anyone because Mm -hmm. of, you know, the whole six feet apart or, you know, nobody wanted to see anyone Um, and going through this, like, alone was really hard and there were times where me sending an email was the best that I could do and you know I yeah so I'm sure it's really relatable in many ways and again I'm fortunate in other ways that uh, I have my health and my parents do so I'm really grateful but yeah, just like everyone else, it was hard. And I, I started to talk to my coach again. I have a transformational coach. She helps me um, during these difficult times. So we did Zoom sessions. And I know a lot of people who, you know, were talking to maybe their therapist via Zoom. I mean, any way you can get that support, emotional support, um, 
I think is important because like I used to be the silent sufferer growing up. If I was sad or mad, nobody would know. I would just go to, you know, just take it all in and just deal with it. But there are sometimes there are things that are just too heavy for you to carry. And, you know, there are so many things out of your control that something like this is out of so many people's control that it's okay to say, you know what, can I just talk to you? Or, you know what, I don't have it all together today. Can you, can you help me? Like, I think that is what makes us human is that, you know, you realize that really no one has it together. Like really nobody (laughs) has it figured out. Like really, if they did pre pandemic, I highly, you know, believe that we're all just trying to figure it out right now. No, definitely. Like I I had a similar, so I live in New York. I, I, my family lives in Florida. And um, so I was alone here in New York as well. And we had like that, you know, in March, I think it was March 12th was our last day in the office so we have been working at home since then. We still are working from home. So it's it's like, okay, I'm in, stuck in this room. I'm in a studio, which makes it even more confining. And, Me too. Um, you are too? Yeah, same. Yeah. Studio, confining. And yeah, it's... in a big city like, you know, New York. Well, I, you guys were one of the first, you know, all over the news and headlines. We, I, I, from LA, I'd watch what's happening in New York to, yeah. to get a feeling of, I'd watch Cuomo, Cuomo like every day and, and uh, Fauci and just, it was yeah. becoming a routine. And my friends would just text me and like people who've never worked from home were just what is this? Like what, you know, <laughs> and people like, like me who travel like so much we actually physically could not travel. We had to just stay put. Uh, it was, it was yeah. difficult. And, and um, like, what is happening? Yeah, I and, think the, the biggest thing I learned from this is um like the hum- the importance of human connection. And like, I've never been like the person that's like always on the phone or calling people and talking to people, but during like being alone in your apartment, you know, having friends call you like every day to check in on you because they know you're alone or, you know, I'm sure you have friends internationally like, Hey, I heard you're in New York or I heard you're in LA. Like I heard it's really bad there. You know, that just that reaching out, I remember I would go a few days like, and then nobody called me. I'm like, where are my friends? Like, do they not love? <laughs> but but it, it shows the importance of that bond that, you, you know, like even through the phone. And I feel that that's kind of filled the void for, for not the end. But I do miss hugs and high fives and just like I yeah, going to my friend's house and just chilling on his couch and, you know, having yeah, a beer. Or- like one of the things that makes you appreciate was so many things we may have took for granted, right? Mm. Like, you know, like you were saying, like hugging your friends or going to a movie theater and theater or going to a concert or, or just simple things like going to a restaurant and not having, you know, to get your temperature checked and wear a mask, like just things that we just did and, mm. and, and like nothing. Right. But, um, I think for travel too, I, I have not done much travel since the pandemic, but I, I know a lot of people who have, and I, I will say that it's it's taken a lot of the joy out of traveling, uh-huh. right? It's taking a lot of the things we also took for granted. Um, probably longer waits, probably longer lines, probably lots of tests that you have to take. Mm-hmm. 
probably lots of quarantine that you have to do depending where you choose to go. And right now also we, you know, in, in, as Americans, we, you know, we can't really go to as many places as we used to yeah, it's, temporarily, yeah. of course, but you, you know, things like that, that mm-hmm. I'm all about, you know, connecting with people, handshaking. I love going to conferences, for example. I love speaking at conferences because now we've adapted and shifted to the virtual world, which I understand is what we need to do during these circumstances. But I hope this isn't forever because I really miss the human interaction. I miss the energy of crowds. You go to a concert, you know, it's much different than watching it on YouTube or watching it on TV. You go to a concert to physically, you know, feel the energy, to sing, to dance. And you go to, you do so many things like that, that we currently can't do. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's just a whole different world that we live in right now. Yeah, it's it's crazy. But um hopefully there's a cure next year and then you know, twenty twenty two, I guess like it should be back to normal. Knock on wood. Yes, knock on wood. So where sure. where where is like the first place you want to travel outside of visiting family, of course, but <laughs> Uh, definitely it's a tie between France and Italy. Okay. Uh, but I, a place that I really want to go to visit that I have not been yet would be, for example, Portugal yeah. or Kenya or South Africa. I'd love to go to Morocco. I'd love to go to New Zealand. There's many countries that are still on my bucket list that I'm just dying to go to, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> you go to the guaranteed ones like the France or Italy that you know you. Yeah, and to be fair, I am currently taking, of course, virtual uh, classes for French. I have a French class tonight, actually, uh, and I'm taking Italian on Mondays. And I've lived in Italy twice, so I've been there before. And I know in my heart of all hearts that I might live there again, either Italy or France. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to learn both languages because. <laughs> I also want to be as fluent as I can in, in several languages. So, I, yeah, I'm doing what I can to uh, keep my mind going, to keep learning. And I'm still working on the travel show. Like I said, uh-huh. I'm going to start to, you know, take that off a temporary hold and start pitching again and getting the momentum for that up again once things start to get better, right? Maybe hopefully by next year. And I'm also trying to do a lot to give back to the youth. So I speak to a lot of colleges. Now I do virtual course, but to the youth, I would love to create a scholarship at my alma mater, Belmont University, Nashville. I want to create a a study abroad scholarship so that students can have that opportunity maybe you know for whatever reason they don't have the financial means that won't be a factor right Mm -hmm. they just have to get good grades and 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 i want to have that so there's lots of things i want to do in my career to give back uh to to many people to me it's about uh helping and building a legacy and just like Ruth, right? She built a legacy, but she did so much for so many people. And that is the same thing they want to do. I want to do for women and I especially want to do for Latinos. I want to pave the way for more Latinos and especially in travel for women too, that, you know, they won't be asked all these questions and they won't 
you know, see less representation that they will, it'll be a no brainer. They're like, oh yeah, right. Um, and so we won't be having to have these conversations and, you know, for the need of diversity and inclusion, it will just be there. Like, it's like, it's just there. Like, it's not a, a, a debate or discussion anymore. Definitely. So these are the things that I'm thinking long term and that's what I'm working towards and I also uh the podcast was a way for me as well because I have a podcast as well which which is new but it's a way for me that I felt giving the voice to those in the travel and tourism sector to share their stories because you know I felt their pain and I, I wanted to just help again what I mean is it's not about me at the end of the day it's about sharing other people's stories, amplifying their voices, you know, having them be heard and represented. And to me, that makes me feel fulfilled. All right. So I'm going to do like a lightning round. It's not so much lightning, lightning, but it's just some final questions that I, I, I whipped up while, while we were talking. Um, okay. So I, I read up that you do luxury travel like like luxury travel planning and you talk about that so how what would be some tips on having do taking a luxury trip with a non-luxury budget hmm i think it would just be i mean it depends the depends the activities you want to do but there's many activities you could do for example, you can go to the beach, you can do a lot of things that don't cost a lot, but that are still luxurious. Mm-hmm. You can go to a really nice resort, for example, and spend the money on accommodation. But the activities you do can be, you can rent a bike, like for example, Tulum, you can rent a bike for $10 a day and go through the jungle, go to the pyramids that cost I mean, last time I was there, I think it was under $20. You can do a lot of activities that won't cost a lot. You can have a picnic. Mm-hmm. You can have a picnic at these places. Um, let's say you were you wanted to go to Paris and you invest a lot of money in the flight and accommodation. Well, now the activities, you can be selective. You can choose to have a picnic at the Eiffel Tower. You can choose to do a walking tour and, and you know, m- maybe hire a local instead of do these grand tours. I mean, I think it's just about um, the the activities that you choose to do because my first solo trip as a woman, I did to Hawaii. I went for four days to Hawaii. I was like 21 or so. And I just wanted to get away and travel by myself. So I invested in the flight and invested in the accommodation. However, I spent probably $200 the entire four days I was there because the activities I chose were so cost effective. Hiking, hiking Mount, you know, Mount Diamond, Diamond Head, which costs $5 maybe if that. Taking a surfing lesson, which was like $20. Um, I, for breakfast, I would just get some fruit and maybe a coffee. Maybe I would treat myself to one nice dinner, but then the rest I was very flexible and and I think that you could you could have both right so you don't have to limit a destination just because you think it's everything is going to be expensive because when you get there, you can decide where you're going to eat you can decide what you're going to see and a lot of these museums as well in every city metropolitan city will have 
special rates for students. Uh, maybe they'll have, uh, you know, there's so many things that can work in your favor that I think, why, why limit yourself to never going to a certain place? Like, I remember hearing people say, I'll never go to Paris because Paris is such a romantic place and I'm single. What? Like, no, go. <laughs> Are you crazy? Like, who cares? Um, and I went to Hawaii because I thought it would be a great first solo trip Mm-hmm. because it was still America but yet it was far away and I I, I felt super I felt really safe there and yeah yeah the biggest the biggest expense always is accommodations and the flight but once you get there you can really find affordable ways to to still ha- have a great time it's just getting there it's, it's just getting there and also every traveler is different I mean there's no one size fits all traveler there's travelers who like five-star resorts. There's travelers who like boutique hotels. There's travelers who like Airbnb and homes and bed and breakfasts. And they're all great. And they all can, you can get great deals at any of these places, right? Um, so it's, again, being open to the possibility that you can go and stay at these places. I think it's knowing people too, like who you know, like a travel advisor or like somebody who's worldly, who may know somebody who knows somebody mm-hmm. like having that expert really expertise. Yeah. Give you the local down the, the low down. Yeah. <laughs> now what's your um favorite all time travel story? Like the funniest thing that happened to you or actually it was in New York city. Wow. <laughs> So love New York, but this was not a fun experience for me. I, in college, went to visit a girlfriend who was interning at MTV at the time. So I'm kind of dating myself, what, you know, how old <laughs> I'm. But she was interning at MTV and I went to visit her for a weekend because I wanted to see New York and experience it. And Uber did not exist then. Mm. Uh, Social media was just, we, we, we just had Facebook at the time, I think. And she was interning. We were both college students on a very limited budget. So I said, okay, I'll take a taxi. So I went to the taxi at JFK. I said, how much will, it, I think it was like $60 at the time. And on my little college budget, I was like, no way. <laughs> so I decided to take the subway, um, mm. the Jamaica to the subway to the city. And I had packed so much stuff for a weekend, of course. <laughs> and I remember getting on the subway and everybody was just in and out, in and out. <laughs> like everyone's go, 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 go. And I had lived in Tennessee for 12 years. I had lived in <laughs> California. We're so like chill, laid back. Let's go, go, go. So I was the last person on this subway. And I remember looking for like where to sit. And the moment I was looking for somewhere to sit, the subway doors closed. And because my, that had so much weight on me, I moved with the subway. So like I fell <laughs> on the subway and all the things fell out of my bag. Oh. And the people on the subway were just staring at me, like just staring at me. And it was kind of like in slow motion where I was like, no. <laughs> and I was on the ground. And then I had a realization. Oh my gosh no one is going to help me. I just assumed somebody would help me. And then I realized, oh, wow, nobody's going to help. Okay. So 
not only did I just fall and embarrass myself, but I had to get myself back up and go on the other side of the subway where all my stuff fell and flew out. And this was the first, I think this was the first stop. So it was like Jamaica one where there is no stop for 15, 20 minutes. So also I had to sit with the same people for 15, (laughs) 20 minutes. I could not leave. I was so embarrassed, so humiliated and so sad and just all these emotions. And I thought it was cool. And then I'm not cool. And to New York. (laughs) I welcome to New York and I just didn't want to like, I, I couldn't wait to get off that subway as soon as I could the next stop. So I didn't, mm-hmm. how about I got off the subway and a guy who was on that subway was like, Hey, I, I'm sorry. I saw you fall. It looked pretty bad. And I was like, Oh, well, thanks for your help. He goes, Hey, uh, I'm, I forgot his name. So-and-so what are you doing tonight? You want to grab a drink? And I was like, absolutely not. No way. <laughs> like What? <laughs> That was my first um, real experience in New York. Yeah, I remember I visited New York when I was in college or after college. And like it was a similar experience, but I got on an escalator and my friend pulled me to one side and I was like, what the hell? And he's like, this is the walking side. I'm like, it's an escalator. It moves up. Like he's like, no, in New York, there's one that's always people are walking. And then if you want to just stand there, you just you always stand to the the right hand side. I'm like, okay. you know you really you learn quick that the hustle and bustle and everything's moving here oh yeah i i learned that day too and uh, there was another experience in new york where pre iphone pre maps google maps mm-hmm. pre all that we use paper maps and i remember asking uh new yorker i was like hi excuse me do you know the moment i pointed they were like on the other block i was like Oh, okay. <laughs> like I just, I, I quickly learned a lot in New York. Like it's just, yeah. Definitely. Right. <laughs> and then the, the last question is, um, what advantages do Latina, Latinos, Latinas, Latinx have traveling the world that maybe their Caucasian or white counterparts don't? Hmm. That's a really good question. I've never thought about that. What advantages do we have? Hmm. Yeah, I always like to look at the opposite, you know, disadvantages, but what are the advantages that we have? Yeah, I think one of the advantages we have is um, maybe the language factor. I mean, maybe most of us speak a different language. Also, too, I actually like, you know, growing up, I I would be, people didn't know what ethnicity, what race I was, they just by looking at me physically. Mm -hmm. I used to get offended by that, but now I quite embrace it because I, I can be in Brazil and Colombia and all these places and I kind of just blend in and I kind of feel um, being ambiguous though. I feel, for example, like I just, I don't know, I feel like I could be a local at a lot of places that maybe, I, I don't know, yeah. maybe I can't, like in Sweden, maybe. I, when I went to Sweden, I felt like I stood out like from a mile away. But I think one of the cool things maybe about being Latina is like, you'll go to Guatemala, I go to Brazil, I go to Colombia and people are like, think I'm a local. And I, I love that. I'm like, what do you think I'm a local? Um, I think that's a great, uh, it's an advantage. And I think also, you know, being Latino or Latina that when we're traveling, we have an opportunity to one represent 
while we're abroad mm -hmm. and we can share more of our culture we can share more of our history our language our food like we are our own ambassadors when we're abroad i think so where people who may not have the opportunity to travel to latino countries or maybe just what they see on tv or on you know movies they see you know the how diverse we are and how how talented we are and how um just we're we're, we're just we're so amazing in different ways and it's not a one-size-fit-all either for latinos uh -huh. or hispanics it's like we're so we're so culturally rich and diverse and i think it also helps the world understand that um, so I think when we travel, we have that opportunity. And so I think it's beautiful. And I, I yeah, that's my take at least. <laughs> no, no, it is beautiful. And it, it is right. Cause you can, I, when I was in India, people thought I could have been Indian, Arabic, and then, you know, and then even when, it, when they're like, where are you from? And I'm like, Oh, American. They're like, no, but where are your parents from? <laughs> <laughs> well, say with me. I mean, I have gotten everything that you can imagine, you know, India, uh, Native American, Hawaiian. When I was in Hawaii, people thought I was just Hawaiian, like mm -hmm. I'm a local, uh, you know, Brazilian, Colombian, Peruvian, Guatemalan, you name it. I have been thought that I was not even Fiji. When I was in Fiji, they thought I was Fijian until I started talking. They're like, oh yeah. no, she's not from Fiji. <laughs> uh, but I think that, you know, um, I think it's it's amazing. I think it's beautiful. And like I said, I'm I'm always super proud of my Mexican and American uh, cultures, and and um, you know I I just want more more representation and more voices so that we have these opportunities, you know, to share more about ourselves and and to inform and educate more people about us, right? So I know there's another thing that you know, depending where you live. But if you, if you speak Spanish, sometimes people are like, oh, you're Mexican or, oh, you're this. And it's like, no, I'm actually Dominican. I'm actually Cuban. I'm actually mm -hmm. right. It's like, that's another thing is when yeah. people hear Spanish, maybe they just assume that you're from one country, but it's not, it's not the case. Yeah. That, that was a real big culture shock for me. Cause, um, I was born and raised in South Florida and I'm Cuban and Puerto Rican, but I grew up like in a Venezuelan Colombia area. So I have like a myriad of Latin America, but then I went to school in Illinois for my first two years. And if you're Hispanic, you're Mexican. And I'm like, no, there's other places. That they're like, oh, oh, you're Puerto Rican? There, there's a little, and I'm like, no, there's other people out there. Right? But, but I think that's, that's what's great. When you are there, you have the opportunity and you're representing, right, Cuban, Puerto Rican. You have the opportunity to say, actually, you know what? There's more than, mm. than just one you know culture nation etc it's like we're very diverse and that's exactly what i feel is when you get to travel you you broaden and open people's you know perceptions and minds and and whatnot so i think that's beautiful awesome and then i one question i always ask people is um and this will be the final one is like what's what's your mantra what's your motto like what keeps the beat of your drum going every day that you repeat to yourself I love that. Well, I meditate and I do yoga and I, I do affirmations as well. So I'm a big believer in uh, what we tell ourselves. We really start to believe. I think one mantra that I, 
everybody can relate to is uh, I am enough. So that is one thing that I tell myself, I am enough. And I think on, on, on many levels, we can all relate to not feeling enough for whatever the, the reason is. And I keep telling myself, no, I am enough. I don't have to wait to a certain age, a certain weight, a certain you know, success, a certain income to feel enough. I am enough now. I am enough, period. There's nothing I need to prove or show to, to feel enough. I am enough. And I think that is something that I love to tell people because, like I said, we a lot of people, and I've been there, feel like we're not enough. And, and you know, we are. And I think that's a huge mantra that everyone can can benefit from. Nice. Because you are enough. I am enough. We are enough, right? We don't have to... Uh, prove anything or show anything or be anything we just are that is we are so no i love it and it also like reminds people to live in the present and you know just be happy where you are you know you you know people sometimes get caught up in the, the rat race and doing this and doing that or hold themselves and beat themselves up for not doing too much or enough but they are enough and they you know they woke up they contributed they were themselves they you know they made somebody smile whatever they did that day that, that they are enough. So I, I love that, that, um, that quote and the mantra. Well, but thank you so much, Jeanette. Um, if anybody wants to contact you or follow you, like what's the best way? Um, how, what's your, yes, so for sure. So, um, on all my social media, I am at jet set with Jeanette and that's two N's. So, um, two N's, two T's, Jeanette, right? <laughs> yeah. Two N's and two T's. Or um, you can find me Twitter at Jeanette Seha, C-E-J-A, or my email, feel free to email me, is travel at jetsetwithjeanette.com. And I'm, you know, usually really good about responding um, within the same day, depending where I am or what's happening. But I'm always grateful if anyone follows me, anyone reaches out to me, anyone takes the time to you know, to just, just anything involving me, I'm grateful because like I said, time is our biggest commodity. And if I can be of any kind of resource or any kind of inspiration, that is part of my purpose. So I'm always happy when people reach out. Definitely. Thank you guys. And, um, you know, I, I re highly recommend following her, listening to her mm -hmm. podcast, which is global conversations with Jeanette double yeah. n double t and um i'll <laughs> tag everything and um, thank you again jeanette for coming on my pleasure thank you and thank you for having this amazing podcast highlighting latinos i think it's great what you're doing thank you thank you so much thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed this podcast if you did, hit subscribe and of course follow us on IG, Facebook, and all their social media platforms at Platform Latino. That's P L A T F O R M L A T I N O. Thanks again and have a wonderful and inspired day. Mm -hmm.